Once upon a time around here, I am one with the ball. The ball is one with me. Way before the Industrial Revolution made it possible for man to swing a graphite composite shaft at a super compressed fluid core golf ball, there were bears. Grizzly bears. Or, if you want to go by their Latin name, Ursus horribilis. They roamed this region for thousands of years, scarfing salmon, protecting their cubs, and basically just being bears. There aren't any bears around here anymore. They're extinct. The species that's replaced them goes by the scientific name Dorcas horribilis. Or, as they're also known, Range Boys. Good morning, Gut Buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name is Joey. I'm Andrew. Hey, it's Chris. <laughs> and this is episode 160. Uh, we're talking Pete and Pete, Range Boy. Yeah, this was part of our, uh, uh, we put up four shows. So last week, what did we talk about last week? We talked about uh, um, Thor 16. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very memorable. Yes. Um, I think there were some audio problems with the uh, actual clips from Door 16. Some people said they could hear it. Some people said like the clips from Hey Arnold weren't playing. Um, so I don't know what happened there. I apologize. Um, hopefully Spooky. this week could be, yeah, really weird. Hopefully this week the clips play. Um, but uh, second in the voting was Range Boy, uh, Pete and Pete. Uh, been a little while since we, we talked about Pete and Pete, and uh, so that feels good. Um, yeah. And the, also in the poll was uh, Dee Dee's haircut and Brain Drain. Uh, Clarissa explains it all, both episodes that I think we will we'll get to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Range Boy, uh, any familiarity with this episode, Chris? I, I'm i glad you asked because I don't remember this one. Um, I think that I, I must have seen it, you know, as a kid, but I've never watched the DVDs straight through. I just figured that I've seen all the episodes multiple times. But I remember the bear imagery, but it, um, no, I don't, I don't, I didn't recall much of this episode. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I always, I always like a, kind of a fresh take, so that'd be good. Um, it's been, uh, before we get into it, it's been, you know, a pretty crazy, uh, couple of weeks in America. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, not, you know, I don't think I have to tell anybody, but, uh, of course we, we've been dealing of not only with the pandemic, but now we're dealing with the fallout of the murders of, uh, multiple, uh, black, uh, Americans, uh, at the hands of either racist white Americans or police, and uh, so there, there is uh, what looks like a movement, hopefully a strong movement happening. Uh, and we did get a, we did get a um, email from someone that I thought maybe we could just read here. I of course asked her permission to read it, uh, and she said uh, definitely. And so uh, she said, uh, "Hey Joey and Andrew, I've been listening to the show for a couple of years, and in past episodes when you would say you didn't want to get into politics anytime it came up, it always made me cringe." That's something I usually hear white people say when they are either supporting causes that harm vulnerable or oppressed populations or because they are afraid to stand up for those groups in order to protect their own interests. 
I've always loved the show, but these moments always made me feel like maybe I would one day find out that you were secretly Trump supporters and it would ruin it for me. As a black woman, I've lost so many works of art that have been meaningful to me during this administration because of the things that uh, some of the creators have said that have shown that they don't believe my life is as valuable as theirs. Anyway, whatever your politics are, and I've come to understand uh, that you are not secretly Trump supporters. Few. I just wanted to say I appreciate that you've shifted and have taken opportunities recently on Twitter to say what you've said. Thanks for the show, and I still love all the jingles, so please don't change them, Jivan. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is certainly something I, I don't even think we've had like a total conversation on. I think it sometimes just felt like. Well, we're a nostalgia podcast. Uh, who cares about our beliefs or our stances? Let's just talk about Nickelodeon. But uh, definitely, let me say unequivocally that we uh, believe Black Lives Matter. Um, words that, yep, I don't know, like unbelievably, unbelievably, it seems some people refuse to say. Uh, yep. It's not, it's, it's not a debatable issue. Um, I feel like uh, you know, pretty much at this point, it, you know, this is, <laughs> it's, 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 it's insane to think about, but like you know, that you even have to say like, screw anybody who's racist or screw white supremacist or people who abuse their authority. Um, and honestly, if you disagree with that sentiment, um, I'm not sure if I really care whether you keep listening. Um, but, uh, I feel like this, you know, as a white man, this moment has been kind of overwhelming. I've, I've struggled with my role. I try to model tolerance and acceptance in my life, but, uh, always knowing I could do more. And I read a quote today, which I thought was like, like kind of blew my mind uh, that I hadn't thought about it this way, but that white privilege is saying is not saying that white people don't struggle or have their own problems. It's saying that their problems and struggles aren't because they're white um, where that's not that's true. A for really good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's a hundred percent true. And so with this in mind right now, it seems like, you know, what the heck do we do to make things better? Um, it feels kind of overwhelming. Where do we start? Cause there's so much change that needs to happen. So just a couple things off the top of my head, um, definitely donating or participating. Um, and, uh, there's a website, blacklivesmatters.carrd.co. Um, that's a good place to donate or get involved in organizations. Um, but also of course, I think that we need to actually put pressure on, um, local officials to start looking at guidelines for law enforcement. Uh, and the place that I found so far that I think is really worth checking out is a website called use of force project. Um, it's a project that's gathered data from every state and every uh, police department around the country. And they've compiled things that work and don't work when it comes to um, police. And like, they literally break it down into steps of like, this is what you needed to ask your mayor or your local authorities as to whether there's guidelines for whether police in your community can do these things. Um, and so uh, use, use of force step, uh, use of force project is one thing I would definitely uh, check out. I don't know if you guys have anything you want to throw in. Very good. I mean, well said. Um, I just, I think everything you said was exactly right. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm not glad that it, took this type of thing happening over and over again to spur this kind of movement. But um, I am glad that uh, it's kind of happening. Um, and I think we're hopefully moving in a better direction just as a people. For sure. 
Yeah, um, I think the the kind of initial point of the email, that's a great email. Um, it is a tricky decision uh, about whether or not whatever small platform you might have someone listening to you, if and when uh, you use that to kind of talk or to be political. Um, I think that, that that is a really difficult issue and that's like a personal issue. And it, I think it makes sense to uh, for people to not want their Nickelodeon nostalgia podcast to have um, <laughs> politics in it. And I also think that it's reasonable to expect, uh, you know, the people that you, you enjoy that you like to speak up. Um, so I think that like maybe uh, one, one model for that is like, um, is to say, I don't even know if, if it's model, but for me, like, what we're talking about right now is not even really political, it's ethical. Um, and I think that like recognizing that distinction could be helpful um, where it's not like, it's a political preference that we're espousing here. We're not you know, saying that you should do this or do that, or that your, your ideology should be um, uh, you know, such and such a way. I mean, it's such a weird moment that we're in that ethics has become politicized that like good <laughs> and right are our political stances. And, and, and that to some people, it's going to sound like a political thing to say, but at some point you got to like figure out like, okay, really like where at you, where, where is your sense of right and wrong at, at your core? Um, and like, this is so clearly a time where it's important to uh, stick up for what is good and right in a time where, um, violence against Black Americans. I mean, th this is this has been happening, uh, you, you know, not since the the advent of the cell phone. I, it, it's hard. Okay, so I'm not going to get it. I don't. I don't want to say too much. But obviously, this is a a problem that is that has been going on as long as this country has been a country, um, and there has been there have been people who have like really wanted to believe that things are getting better. That's a narrative that we all are susceptible to, that things are getting better. Um, and sometimes it's important to look at the evidence. And um, even when it's inconvenient to see that, you know, these things are still happening and and that we're, if, if it's not getting better, we all need to examine what is our individual role in that. Um, sorry, I don't mean to ramble, just a couple more things. Um, it's, it's your responsibility to educate yourself. Uh, so that's why, in one way, um, it's it makes sense to f for you to want people to speak up or not speak up that, that you listen to. But everyone, everyone who's listening needs to educate yourself. Um, you know, as with the law, um, so with injustice, right? It, ignorance is no excuse. Uh, uh, when there's injustice, you can't just say, "Oh, I didn't really realize it. I didn't really look into it." It's your ethical responsibilities as a human being to educate yourself and to, uh, and, and to take a stance there. Um, I think that supporting this movement, um, which even calling a movement makes it sound political, supporting uh, the, uh, the lives of uh, people of color and the way that they're treated by uh, the police, by, uh, by the government, um, acknowledging that it's different than the way white people are often treated is, is absolutely the very least that we can all do. Uh, 
Um, and Joey, that was uh, great that, that you kind of led us to some resources that we can look more into it. And I'll stop there. Sorry, it's just uh, it's, it's hard oh, to know yeah. when to stop when he starts talking about this stuff. You know? <laughs> no, but I I like what you said. I mean, it, it's it's a luxury that uh, if like if you're someone who like has not been informed on this stuff and that it's surprising to you. I think two things is one is that it's okay to acknowledge that like one, obviously it's been a luxury in your life that you haven't had to think about it. And that two, it's okay that it's okay then to admit that like, Oh, Oh shoot. Like I should have been paying attention. Uh, and rather than being embarrassed and like ignoring it being like, okay, like shoot, I should have been paying attention. I need to learn now. Um, I think that's like, I think that's the position of a lot of people. Um, you know, I think people are nervous to be like, oh, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, you know, should I start now? And like, yes, uh, yes, it's it's okay to be, it's okay to be like, uh, I was wrong. Uh, but I think this is a, I think this is an important moment. You got to do it. You got to like, you got to be part of this. You got to talk to people. You got to contribute. Um, and if you don't think if, if there's, if you have any ounce of doubt that, police have and will abuse their power by use of force there you there's never been a time where there's more evidence to to show you that that this is a reality there's never been a more time where there's where there's been evidence all over that is easily accessible um it totally makes sense to to not have looked outside of your own perspective there's tons of people in this world that that's true for that's that's okay but uh, you got to do it now, and and it's okay that you didn't do it before. It's fine, but uh, you got to yep. do it now. Yep. Uh, well, uh, certainly as uh, things go along, I think we'll be more open to sharing some thoughts. Um, and if you guys want to share thoughts with us, we're we're happy to share it through this platform. Um, please uh, shoot us whatever you're thinking. Um, and. Uh, now to move on to talk about like the the whitest episode of anything ever made an episode that, an episode that takes place at a double decker driving range um you know there's there's actually a quote in this episode that uh you know, i'll just play i'll play here but it's like pretty starkly connected to this moment my theory is that whether they're hitting golf balls or shooting bullets Humans have this need to keep reminding themselves that they're the all-time king of the jungle. It comes from being insecure, I think. Damn. Damn. I missed that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that clip that clip's from uh, near the end of the episode when Pete is saying, like, you know, he, he or his father don't really understand the urge that people wanted to hit him with balls. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, like, when I heard that quote, I was like, holy cow, like, that's... That's uh, that's something for the moment. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Um, this Ooh. episode is season one, episode four, and it uh, aired on Sunday, December nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. We've already talked about December of nineteen ninety three when we talked about the Nightcrawlers. Mm. Um, but uh, this episode then follows Nightcrawlers. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about Range Boy? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, well, as Big Pete explains it, the grizzly bears that once roamed the countryside have been replaced by a different species, Range Boys. He was recruited by Don, who runs the driving range, to roam the grounds picking up balls. Don hopes it will be a way for Pete to get to know the business, 
but Pete is worried about sharing the same fate as the bears. Um, I uh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just uh, kind of surprised at Don uh, running the driving range. Yeah, see, I, <laughs> I I said this feels perfect. I think like <laughs> you don't think so that Don oh, owns I, driving range. I like it. I was just like surprised to hear it. Like I never put that together before. I've seen this episode, but I never realized he was like running yeah, the place. Was, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, Don's. I like I like the full scope that Don is. Uh, he runs a driving range, and that Mom volunteers at a call center for the phone booth. Like that's what the PM. <laughs> <is doing. Yeah. laughs> um, well, afraid this of is being... never. Oh, but th- this is never mentioned in any other episode. I assume, right? This is this is the reality established so. here, but not outside of it. Okay. Weird. Yeah. I want to say I want to say at times you might see a cup around the house or something with like golf mm. stuff on it, but uh, I don't I think, think explicitly they ever refer to it again. <laughs> I imagine they got like a good deal on a on this play using this place for the setting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's another uh, thing about this episode is that it. If correct me if I'm wrong because I actually wasn't checking during it, but this episode takes full. All of it takes place either in or around the driving range, right? There's no other sets. Yeah. I don't think is, so. Which is pretty weird. Yeah, that is weird. It's like not, I mean, in Wellsville, maybe, but we're not sure, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so afraid of being humiliated, Pete trudges through the forest, taking the back way to work. He figures if he can avoid human contact for a month, no one will find out about his horrible secret. <laughs> Elsewhere, little Pete is busy tra- training Arnie to win the annual long ball hitting contest. While I groveled in fear, Pete was training Artie to win the annual long ball hitting contest. Ha! Beware the duffer. Beware the duffer! <laughs> Pete tried not to get too cocky, but it doesn't hurt to have a superhero who can hit the ball into the next area code. Alan tells Big Pete he's being paranoid trying to avoid everyone, but he reminds her that one of the old range boys was forced to move and get plastic surgery so he could start a new life. Range boy sounds like a sweet job. It does kind of sound sweet, yeah. Except for the, ri- the pay, I guess. Oh, the pay's bad, yeah. But just riding around all day picking up golf balls? Yeah. I was I was thinking what uh, what what was what is the worst job you guys have ever had? Ooh, I can I can answer right away. Uh, I I think in seventh grade I think this was my first job seventh or eighth grade. Uh, I was a paper boy for the Sun Messenger, uh, a, a local paper, um, and it was only a once a week thing. And, but the the papers would come at 5 a.m. every Wednesday, and I'd have to get up at 5, and they weren't even back. Well, I guess maybe this is, uh, you know, all – I don't know. I don't know how it normally is. But I had to take them out of these, like, uh, you know, these, like, yellow plastic ties around them, take them out of that, roll them up uh, into bags, uh, put them into my little mail carrier thing, throw them – you know, around, I used to, you know, rollerblade around, it's the most 90s thing ever, rollerblade around uh, while my black lab dog, K, 
kind of pulled me in my rollerblades <laughs> at like 5.30 a.m. every Wednesday. Uh, and that, you know, that, that wasn't great. You know, my hands would be full of ink. But what was really terrible is the other part of my job was that I had to collect. Um, oh. Which <laughs> was just the worst because, of course – like some twerpy kid knocks on your door uh, with a sun messenger bag, like you owe, and you owe him $20. You're not going to answer your door. Or you're going to be like, Oh, I'll get you next time. And I had no negotiating yeah. skills at this point. Yeah. You're 12. And, and I was paid based on like, they would take out basically all the money I collected. Oh, I would just geez. owe them their cut and I got to keep my cut. So there were multiple times where my mom had to like write a check to the sun messenger because I was not able to collect enough money to even pay them. Uh, Boy, so I, what a racket. What a racket. What do, you a think racket. do you think they set it up like that on purpose? Like this kid's never going to collect. He'll just pay us. I have no doubt that some smart newspaper owner knew that the, you know, had the, had his finger on the pulse and knew that the, the whole industry was a, uh, going to hell in a handbasket and uh, they got to <laughs> squeeze every dime out while they can. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. Cause my dad has often told me um, about his paper job being the worst job that he's ever had. <laughs> so I found that pretty funny. Um, I guess mine was um, bus boy at uh, oh, yeah. Italian, oh, yeah. Italian restaurant, uh, especially the first few years of like having to mop and, stuff oh just the worst <laughs> uh mopping at a restaurant like just putting dirty water on a dirty floor dirty water dirty floor the smell uh the yeah. smell yeah. i could i could conjure that scent in my nose immediately it is so memorable oh boy what about uh, you um, I've had a ton of bad ones. I mean, I've worked in a factory. I've been a, I've been a waiter. Um, but I think the one that takes the cake is it was either seventh or eighth grade. It doesn't sound so bad, but I was an umpire for kids. Oh, who were, I remember when you were an ump. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was kids that were like two or three years younger than me. And I mean, that's a terrible job for a kid going, you know, a pubescent, a tween or whatever, because like, uh, you're standing there umpiring while like every kid that's in school with you is like watching the game or like having fun and like eating like snacks or at the drink counter. And also at the same time, every parent hates you because every call you make is bad. I mean, I literally had incidents of like parents screaming to the point where like the other umpire, the kid who was like three years older than me would have to like go over and be like, okay, you need to stop yelling at him. Um, that that was pretty bad. Like as far as like a social, it was it, it just felt like a too much, too much for that time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> no, no eighth grade yeah. kid is prepared for that, but I feel like or has the personality for that. But I feel like you especially. I mean, you're 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 not a confrontational person. I cannot. I remember when you were doing that. I remember at the time being like, man, how does he deal with that? That sounds like the worst thing to deal with those parents. <laughs> yes, my favorite memory was. Um, I was a terrible home plate umpire. So in the playoffs, they had me umpire the field, like, you know, first base, second base. 
Um, and I literally day I was like in a daze. I wasn't paying attention to the game and kids never stole, but a kid stole second base and I wasn't paying attention because <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. And so the kids stole and I froze and both teams were, <laughs> were waiting for me to make a call. And I literally, literally like out of a movie, I, I start to make the motion for safe. And then I change my mind to out. <laughs> so I did both calls. Uh, and, uh, both coaches were like in my face. It was bad. I ended up, I ended up calling safe, but, um, yeah. Tiger <laughs> still running, right? Yeah. 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 It was bad. Uh, right. Sorry. We've done like 20 minutes, not on range boy. <laughs> that, that was a good digression though. That, that's uh, that's yeah. a good question. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, um, so a Pete and Ellen notice Endless Mike practicing for the hitting contest, and Pete narrowly avoids being seen when Artie accidentally wraps his club around a tree. Uh, I love this club wrapping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Artie, this is a real showcase for Artie, this episode. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, may- maybe one of his better episodes. Yeah. And also, um, Endless Mike is so terrifying. Like, he is, <laughs> he's got that bully thing down. Yeah. Oh no! Howdy, Mike. Are we gonna see you at the long ball tournament? Big cash prize this year. Yeah, it's mine. I've been working on my visualization techniques. See, what I do is, uh, I imagine your son's head on my tee. The rest takes care of itself. What? You know, it's funny that you should mention my son. What's happening? Looks like your dad's pointing toward the cart. No, dad, please don't do it. Yeah, I think this is our first. I think this is the first time we see Endless Mike. Oh, Oh. wow. Yeah, that's a weird introduction. Yeah, but it does kind of explain why, like, they're treating it like when Pete sees him, it's the first time he's explaining he, like, dreads him. Yeah, yeah. Um, realizing he'll never be able to go an entire month without being caught, Pete comes up with a brilliant plan to keep his identity a secret. The next time we see him, he's dressed in a suit resembling the mighty beast that was once prevalent in the area, the grizzly bear. The grizzly bears that used to live here got wiped out, mostly because of pollution and hunting. According to town history, no one has seen a bear in this area for 20 years. But on one blustery November day around 3.30 in the afternoon, a species of bear known as Ursus horribilis was officially back from extinction. Not that anyone noticed at first. Can I just say, uh, usually I really like archival footage in Pete and Pete, but I'm not sure the bear, uh, the bear archival stuff felt a little, uh, I don't know. I didn't love it. Hmm. Uh, I definitely liked it better than not having any image of bears because it like did uh kind of resonate in me. Like I'm thinking of bears the whole episode and like those particular scenes, I guess. Okay. All right. I, I feel kind of in between. I, 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 there's something not quite right about it. I felt like cheap about it. I, I like that as a writing move more than the visual, but I needed the visual. And in particular, I loved the 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 footage of the bears rolling down the hill, like wrestling yeah. with each other. Very cute. Yeah. 
Um, meanwhile, school bus driver Stu Benedict is visiting the range to ease his recent breakup, and little Pete is helping Artie improve his grit. We're here at the fabled 15th hole here at the Mighty Bear, where school bus driver Stu Benedict is preparing to tee off. Stu, who's been pretty depressed since his girlfriend left him over nothing, could really use a good shot right about now. As Don tries to impress former pro football player and sports commentator Frank Gifford, <laughs> he notices Big Pete's costume and runs out onto the green. Did you do you guys like know this guy? I mean, did you know who he was before without looking him up? Uh, Absolutely. No. No. I, no. <laughs> I know that he's married to Kathy Gifford. Uh-oh. Oh, I didn't know that. I, th- I thought he was a professional golfer. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought I was, first. I was going to try and quiz you guys on him, but like he would have been the Monday night football commentator at the time. He did it for like 27 years. So Monday night football <laughs> – Wow. In 1992 or 1993, that was like the biggest sport sporting event, you know, because that's the only nationalized or national NFL, uh, you know, broadcast. Uh, everything else is regional. So he would have probably been a big deal because of that. He used to be a football player, I guess, too. He was like a fullback or something. I don't know. But um, what a, what, did not what a know. weird way he to was on Monday night. <laughs> For sure. Like, also, like, what – who like who knew him? I, I think that he he really would have been a pretty famous dude at that point. Like I think that, especially well, I think he was for the adults probably for sure. But I think that uh, kids would I mean who kids who watch sports would probably definitely know him at the time, even though we have no idea who he is. <laughs> yeah, it's just it just yeah. feels like knowing that now like you got this guy for like three lines and for him, we should mention that his golf club is a club oh with, a, with, a, with a miniature golfer at the bottom who, when he, I don't, what does he do? He presses a button and then the golfer at the bottom swings. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like that's, that's the golf game he's working on is like, yeah. Using his club to swing a tiny little golfer. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, all these uh, Pete and Pete guests are kind of like that. Like, they have very small roles, which I kind of like. Yeah. And are fam- pretty famous at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yes, small and, and um, like, head scratchers. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, as far as how they use them, you know? Yeah. I love it. It's wow. almost like they're just using them as, like, extras, practically. I mean, a little more <laughs> than extras, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do like it. Um, Don explains that people come to the range with the dream of hitting the perfect shot and Pete in a bear costume ruins that. Pete! Pete! Stop! 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 Move over! Move over! Son, do you know why people come to my range to hit golf balls? To hit golf balls? Wrong. Look at them. They all have problems. For, For some of them, it's family troubles. Others have jobs they hate. And a few of them, well, I don't know what the problems are. The point is, their lives are anything but perfect. But when they tee up a ball, there's always that dream that they'll hit the perfect shot. And when they do, for that moment, their lives are perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Good. Now, now get this. Some kid driving around in a smelly bear suit is not part of that dream. This moment uh, has one of my favorite shots in the entire episode as when it pans and it's Teddy melting down and Stu, bus driver Stu, also melting down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Stu, like being like crippling to his knees because he can't swing. <laughs> Uh, I really love that shot of Teddy uh, just <laughs> flailing, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, funny stuff. Um, but employing some bear trivia, Pete manages to convince his dad to let him wear the costume, and he really gets into the role. As Big Pete dances for the crowd, Little Pete runs into a problem of his own when Artie smashes his ball into an innocent turtle. It turns out that the turtle is a friend of Artie's named Clark, but the impact left him with a case of turtle amnesia. <laughs> Clark! <laughs> Clark! No, I'm sorry, my little reptile friend. You know this turtle? Know him? Know him! Clark, tell the boy about Paris. You, me, Hemingway, the shiny tugboat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Clark! What's wrong? Don't you remember me, boy? It's me, your old pal, Archie! Yep. You guessed it. The impact of the ball had given Clark a bad case of turtle amnesia. And that was that. Until Artie helped Clark regain his memory, Pete's dream of winning the tournament was over. <laughs> I love the... Uh, I was just going to say, I loved the um, golf ball sitting atop the turtle's shell. Like, yes. um, like it had flown however, <laughs> multiple counties or whatever and then landed like that. And the delivery of that line is really good because uh, I think Big Pete says, yep, you guessed it. The impact of the ball has given Clark a case of turtle amnesia. Yeah. yeah. You, you guessed it. <laughs> like we all knew. We are all worried about that. Yeah. Um, later, Big Pete is actually enjoying his job when a couple of frustrated hunters convince Little Pete to let them hit their balls at the bear. The word spreads fast, and soon everyone except Stu wants a piece of Mr. Bear. As Bag the Bear Mania gets underway, Artie is doing his best to jog Clark's memory. Meanwhile, Ellen tries to convince Pete to reveal his true identity and end his suffering, but he insists that he can stick it out for two more days when golf season ends. That's right. A little closer. I can smell his fear, Mommy. <laughs> it smells like bacon. The only one immune from the fever was Stu Benedict. Still hoping to hit the shot that'll make him forget the flaming wreckage of his shattered life. While we're on the subject of shattered lives, I guess it's safe to say the little planet backfired. My perfect dream of bare happiness was about to crash and burn. Unfortunately, Don has decided to use Little Pete's idea to let the person who hits the bear be the one to unmask him. Pete. That's <laughs> cruel. I love uh, Little Pete kind of like orchestrating this whole thing behind the scenes. Yeah, working yeah. the counter. Yeah. Uh, Big Pete finally admits to Dad that he's embarrassed to be a range boy and he quits before he can be found out. Come on, Ellen, let's get out of here. What are you doing here? Your public wants you. I quit. 
You did? On behalf of all bears everywhere. The next day at the contest, Don tells the contestants that the bear went into early hibernation. And as the crowd gets riled up that they won't be able to unmask Mr. Bear, they aim their golf balls at Don. Hey, real quick. Yes. So when 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 Big Pete quits, uh, Ellen Ellen gives him a little kiss on the cheek, which uh, uh, you know it's a pretty big deal to Big Pete. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but one but one thing I didn't get here is that Ellen was like urging him just to be himself. Like she wasn't urging him to quit. So I, I didn't understand like the celebratory mood by Ellen that like she would kiss him because he quit. It seemed kind of like. Pete and Pete is usually very sound as far as logic, but I actually didn't follow the yeah. logic on why she was that excited that he had quit. For me, the logic is like him being a bear is him being an imposter. So like returning, mm. taking off the bear suit is like he's becoming Pete again, which is what she wants. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't care so much about the job either way. Yeah. No, she doesn't care if he has a job. She knows it. Uh, like, if there's any future in this relationship, she's the brains of the operation. <laughs> okay. Uh, that definitely makes sense. Um, I, I did think it was like the weakest kind of element of the story in this episode. Like, almost felt unnecessary to even have this Ellen thing going on. It's a long play, though, especially knowing that this is so early. It's like building up the yeah. tension between yeah. them. It makes more sense to me not knowing how early this is. I guess I didn't realize how early this was because I didn't know at all because I didn't look it up. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, when Pete see, but when Pete sees what's happening to Don, he dons the suit one last time to come to Dad's rescue. For a while, he dodges the golf balls with confidence, but when Artie launches a ball to save Clark, it bounces off the turtle shell and knocks Pete on his back. Um, I love this uh, Pete flying backwards. Like it looks like probably just the empty suit, kind of. Uh, oh but yeah, yeah, yeah. flying through the air. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good alliteration uh, there too. I like that. Oh, uh, thanks. <laughs> um, the power of Artie's drive restores Clark's memory, and they leave without <laughs> unmasking the bear. So Pete does it himself. Clark, Clark. My boy, how I missed you! Oh, Clark, yes, it's me, Archie! Yes, the strongest man in the world! Oh, Clark, yes! I have missed... No, I'm driving this time. We'll go see the hey, aren't you going to unmask the bear? Yeah. Hey, freak show, come back here. You're the only one who can unmask Mr. Bear. No, he's not. Pete, you're a range boy? Oh, I should have known. A range boy. Range boy. Not a range boy. I'm a range bear. The crowd is disappointed to find out that Mr. Bear was just a range boy. I don't oh. get this. Why are they so disgusted with it? Because <laughs> they're idiots. <laughs> because like they're pointing out like there's just a bunch of it, bunch of idiots. They think it's like the masked singer or whatever. Like uh, they they don't even understand why they were so hyped. Right. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they would just got themselves worked into a frenzy that had no logic to it and, you know, got mob mentality uh, style. And, and oh, yeah, wait, that this is an yeah. invisible thing that we're chasing. I, I like to think that they would have been upset no matter what the outcome was. It was just like True. getting the outcome was, you know. Yeah. OK. Um, 
Well, while Big Pete expounds on humans' violent and insecure nature, school bus driver Stu Benedict pulls back for one final swing, <laughs> and he hits oh, the perfect shot. It. It's it's your love it was it. your it was your favorite line, right? Of ninety eight, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. As far as this idea of golfers seeking some kind of dream of perfection, only Stu Benedict deserves something that beautiful. Still here on the fabled fifteenth. School bus driver Stu Benedict, long paralyzed by his fear of failure, reaches deep inside himself and finds something he never knew he had. Wow! <laughs> it's a good one. I mean, it really oh, is good. And, and, and especially in the context of the episode, it feels like a really gratifi- gratifying way to end the episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, man, yeah, it's so good. And I, uh, had kind of forgotten the buildup, like how good the buildup <laughs> was to that line of Pete's like, or of, uh, Stu's kind of like storyline during this episode. Yeah. That um, he had, that he had been like such crippling anxiety that he couldn't even <laughs> swing the club for the first yeah. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there's this killer. I mean, that I really, the, the masterful, the I think the thing that Pete and Pete does most masterfully is these these ending dialogues are just so poignant. Yeah. Until there were more people like Stu and Artie in this world, bears and range boys would just have to keep an eye out for each other. What is it, Pete? Nothing. That is a great line. I mean, both the beginning and the end are the, the first the first lines there. The first line is way before the Industrial Revolution made it possible for man to swing a graphite composite shaft at a super compressed fluid core golf ball. There were bears, grizzly bears. I mean, what a beautiful opening. That, that is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, just the, the, I mean, there, I think there are things to maybe pick a you know, pick a bone with pick a bone pick pick at yeah. something content contend with in this episode but the writing is not one of them the writing is as tight as any pete and pete episode i think yeah i have a i have i don't know if you did it sometimes you do injure but i have a list of lines here that are just i did uh note a few of the better ones yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> okay we'll, we'll get to those uh you guys want to talk about what went into it yeah yeah. Hi, this is Bios, Trivia, Ratings, and Stray Observations. Um, well, as usual, I took a look at some of the actors, and uh, we've gone over a lot of the major actors, I think, on Pete and Pete. So I took a look at a couple of the characters that looked familiar, and we'll see if you guys know who these are. Um, Teresa Flanagan played uh, a person in this episode with that wasn't named but it was a mother with a yeah, her little girl yeah, yeah we didn't was, mention them yeah, yeah. love them that, that <laughs> definitely in my top five favorite things about this episode is the mother and little girl that like increasingly sadistic little girl yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we, we've seen them before though yes we've definitely seen the mother Okay, she's in King of the Road, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. She's the mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mrs. Perfect or whatever. Mrs. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That was just weird. I just recognized her. Um, and these are the only two credit acting credits she has. Wow. Otherwise perfect. unknown. Yeah. I couldn't find anything she, else on her. So I don't she know just what. must have been like a New Jersey local or something. Yeah. Yeah. They started she walking down the street. I loved that look. <laughs> um, oh, I, I did want to just mention um, um, the GIF has that perfect, like, Pete and Pete older male, like, uh, look about him. Like, somehow they do this with uh, different people. They did it with Mr. Perfect, too. It's like almost like cartoonishly, like, <laughs> 50s dad. Yeah, they all look like GOP congressmen. Yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the first the first scene, like the dude hitting the hitting the shot in the first scene. Uh, no, uh, Gifford. Um, oh, Gifford. Yeah, dad, yeah, yeah. Dad called some oh, GIF. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, do I also you took. <laughs> um, I also took a look at uh, actor Frank S. Herbert who also plays an unnamed character in this episode. He was the, like, head hunter. Not head hunter, uh, but the, right. you know. The main hunter. That yeah. was kind of a weird thing. That, like, that like kind of cartoony back and forth, their, their relationship was kind of weird to me. It, like, didn't quite fit mm. with the tone of the rest of the show. Mm. I, yeah. I agree with that. I, I didn't love the hunter. Uh, it felt like it was just over-complicating overcompl- kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys recognize this guy? No. no. Uh, he was also in Nightcrawlers and Hard Day's Pete. But in those episodes, he plays Fred Hurley, uh, Lizzie's dad. Oh. Hmm. Anyway, he's been in a lot of stuff, though, uh, including most notably Super Mario Brothers the movie, Arrested <laughs> Development, Seinfeld. <laughs> And curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> what a what an order there, <laughs> including most notably the Super Mario Bros. movie and ending with curb. Well, Who's in wasn't curb? that wasn't that the correct ramp up of yes things? There was, there was. <laughs> um, it, it was like a, it was the episode where Larry's in that Scorsese movie. He was like a oh, guy was like yeah, a manager yeah, yeah. or something. I can't. love it. Uh, I mean, have we have we done endless Mike? I think so. Uh, I think yes. we talked about him. I didn't remember that he's been in so much stuff. Anything like, that you think was particularly no, he's only, notable? No, no, he's like a bit character. Um, he, he's he's like often a cop or like a priest. Uh, he does a lot of video game voice stuff. So maybe you know about this. He's in uh, uh, World of Final Fantasy. Uh, hmm. He's in uh, uh, what's that? Kingdom Kingdom Hearts. You know, you know about that one? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Video, uh, <laughs> Crisis Core Final Fantasy Seven. Call of Duty Two. Big red one, Call of Duty 2 original. Final Fantasy 12, World of Final Fantasy. He's he's just he's in about like five things a year. He's really uh hmm. I don't know. Well, I'm glad I, I, I think, 
Doesn't he do a bunch of cop shows? Yeah, he does a ton of. He's yeah, NYPD Blue, The Crossing, which probably is a cop show, uh, <laughs> Justified, which is like old timey cop show, Reckless, which people who like cop shows probably watch, um, The Life and Times of Tim. He plays a fireman, uh, but he's burn notice. That's probably about cops or firemen or something. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, he seems he seems a little a little copy. Not not a great time to be copy, but uh, <laughs> I digress. Uh, well, this episode was directed by uh, Chris Cook. Uh, we've already talked about him. He also directed Field of Pete. Uh. Uh, this episode was written by Rick Grohl. Uh, this is his only episode of Pete and Pete that he wrote, uh, mm-hmm. but he was also a writer on three episodes of Figure It Out, uh, two episodes sure. of Kablam. Uh, he was a writer on the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards of 1999. He did an episode of 100 Deeds for Eddie McDowd, five episodes of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, uh, and then a bunch of shows I've never heard of called Word Girl, Angelo Rules, and Super Noobs. Um, so that's a little bit about Nick. What now? Was <laughs> Super noobs. Ah, Andrew, you know that one? No, I don't. Um, I, don't know I looked I... at it. I looked at it. It didn't look like a uh, big channel type of show. Maybe it was like an internet type thing. Hmm. Uh, I do wonder, like, what the writing involved on Figure It Out was. Summer Sanders stuff. Oh, oh, I guess. and. Uh, and uh, they had that like guy who had to read the prizes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I feel like anybody could have kind of put that together. But you just won a Super Nintendo <laughs> slime and Skechers. Uh, wow, got right very good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh, any trivia? Um, I have one. Um, the way that uh, Big Pete finally convinces Dad to let him wear the costume uh he mentions an episode of a show called big ben or gentle ben Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's an actual bear show bear tv (laughs) series um and while there doesn't appear to be an episode like the one that pete describes there is a gentle ben tv movie that came out in 2002 that includes ben getting trapped in a mine shaft (laughs) whoa Uh, whoa (laughs) (laughs) that that is that's very weird or very cool uh or very lazy i don't know i it's one of the three you think this is where they got the idea like "Ah, put them in a mind shaft i think i saw it in a kids tv show from 1993 (laughs) yeah there are lots of redheads uh in this episode i feel like a a preponderance of of redheaded people um does, does that trivia uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess I noticed a couple. Pretty good. I mean the yeah. the daughter, the yeah. Pete. Who else? Oh, I've got oh I've got some trivia for you. I got some trivia. <laughs> okay. So, um, the so kind of going with Andrew's bear facts. There were three of them, right? Uh, do you guys remember? I know this is what we do in the next part, but do you remember what the first fact was? No. It was that a bear was almost elected to the House of Representatives. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So I, so I, I tried to look into that to see if like where 
that story comes from. Uh, Joey, are you aware of a story that is that is similar to this? Uh, no, I know there are some okay. bears that live on the White House lawn. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, because I don't think it's real. I was just making sure. But there are, um, in doing this research, there are uh, two um, uh, members of Congress, uh, House members, uh, that are that have the last name Bear. <laughs> right now or ever? Uh, two ever, one right now. So right okay. now we have we have uh, Henry John Bear. Okay. Oh wait. Oh no, they're both former. Uh, Henry John Bear was the uh, first elected member of the main House Repre- of Representatives representing the Maliseet Native American tribe. Oh, cool. So that's Henry John Bear. Seems like a cool bear. Uh, and then we've got uh, he's got four kids. His, his uh, wife is named Violet. Uh, he lives oh in Maine. <laughs> And then we have John C. Bear, who's a real bear. Uh, let me tell you, he's a, a Republican uh, member of the House, uh, served one term, uh, and then from the 97th district, the Fighting 97th, uh, from uh, Pennsylvania. Okay, interesting. Do you remember that Fighting 97th? Do you, do you, do you remember what that's from? Cole, Cole Bear. Okay, cool. I just, I just wanted to say, <laughs> college uh, so yeah, so two, two actual, no, no, uh, bear, actual bear has, uh, almost, or, uh, been elected to the house of representative representatives, but two, uh, men with the last name bear have. Very good. Interesting. Sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Sort of. <laughs> um, well, I noted that this is the second time that Ellen kisses Pete. I think she also does oh. it in Day of the Dot. Um, this is a kiss on the cheek, but, you know, still still a kiss. Um, and, you know, I spent a pretty good amount of time trying to find the driving range that this was filmed at because it looked like a pretty <laughs> impressive driving range. Oh, for sure. And, and I could not find it. I mean, I, I searched New Jersey, so maybe I'm in the wrong state. But if anybody out there knows where this was filmed, I mean, it looked, I couldn't, I couldn't even believe a driving range this large existed. It was double decked and it looked like it was like, I mean, really long, like a half a mile long. Um, so I don't know. I couldn't find it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> have, have you guys ever been, have you guys ever been to a driving range? Oh yeah. Yeah. Really? Have you? <laughs> have you not? Yeah. No, I have, uh, I think once, maybe twice, like when I was a kid, like, um, 12 or 11 or something. Um, when, when did you guys go to a driving range? I, have you guys ever, I mean, none of us are golfers. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a bunch my, of times. Sorry. Oh, no, definitely with my dad a couple times. And then I feel like at least once or twice with maybe Andrew or I don't know, with like people just to goof around. Yeah, I, I definitely went a bunch as a kid. Uh, I don't even. I feel like it's like the only thing that I could like maybe do golfing. You know, like hit the ball possibly. <laughs> like huh. athletically, it's like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I just mean, try to smack this thing. <laughs> sounds kind of fun. I would do it. I mean, especially if, 
you could like bring beers. I don't know if that's like part of the deal. I think they mm-hmm. usually sell. You can definitely drink there, but I don't think you're supposed to bring your own. I don't know, but it oh, is so. kind of it's a it's a uh, it's a fun it's a fun way just to like not care about being good, <laughs> but also like trying to hit something real hard. Cool. I feel like yeah, especially as a, especially as a kid, it's like it always seemed like this is going to be great. I'm going to love it. And then I get there and I can barely hit the ball. And like, <laughs> this is boring. And annoying. Yeah. I think it's part of the satisfaction of um, happy Gilmore is that like, yeah. ideally the thing I just want to do is hit the ball as hard as I can. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to wind up and just smash yeah. this thing. <laughs> but etiquette tells me not to. So it's your only chance to do that. Yeah. Um, Stray observations? Yeah, I got a few here. Um, did you guys take note of the scientific name for the range boy? Oh, Dorcas yeah. Her- Herbulus? <laughs> yep. You got it. So what's, what's the grizzly bear, then? Uh, you know what? I didn't even <laughs> know that one. <laughs> Something else Herbulus. Ursus Her- Her- Herbulus? Yep. And that's true. It's weird. It's a weird. Uh, yeah. that's true. Um, did you guys note the name of the driving range? Mighty Bear. Very good. Um, How much does uh, Pete make an hour? Three fifty, of course. All right. Did you uh, catch the machine that Pete uses to pick up the balls? No. So like the Rangematic or something like that. Pretty close. Uh, the System 6000 Range Mobile. Okay. <laughs> System 6000. That's good. A weird item that doesn't have like a Kreb name. Yeah, no Kreb. Huh. Did you guys note uh, how they how how it is they spread the news that Pete is a range boy? There's like a, uh, a fantasy scene. Huh. It's real quick. Uh, he notes that they would use something called... Do you have it? No. no. Nope. He notes that they would use something called the gossip horn, and a girl blows a horn. Like a, <laughs> oh, yeah. almost like a, a shell horn. Yeah, like a conch shell. <laughs> yeah, like a conch. Uh, how, many, how many range boys has Don lost? Uh, ten this year. <laughs> yeah, this year. Yeah, ten this year, indeed. That's high turnover. <laughs> um... What was Artie's uh, first club that he was using? Hockey stick? Yep. Happy Gilmore <laughs> style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Big Pete mentions the name of the last range boy who had skipped out of town. Do you remember his oh. name and what, what, he, what he did once he left town? Uh, I mean, he, he got plastic surgery? Yeah, he got plastic surgery. His name is Norm Head Cheese Scrumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Norm Head Cheese Scrumpkin. Seems weird. like his uh, occupation is the least of his problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, uh, what about the the length of this episode? Twenty-four um, minutes and eighteen seconds. Before that I even is answer, extremely close. Extremely close. Shoot. Well, now I've got a good way to guess. But um, yeah. what? Uh, what were you? Where did you get this information? Uh, from the tube. 
the crisp did you watch YouTube. That DVD? Oh, oh. No, well, so, I, I mean, I watched, from that from it, that crisp YouTube uh, stream. Oh, I guess I'm wondering, was there any like extra, <laughs> you know, like intro or anything that wasn't part oh, of the no. actual video? Oh, definitely not. Oh. No, it's perfect. Okay, well then I'll guess uh, twenty-four thirty-two. Twenty-four twenty-two. Oh. Okay. The, 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 there's like a a one of the best uh, '90s Nickelodeon YouTube kind of uh, upload quality mm. of any anything I've seen is is this episode. Oh. Uh, before hitting his ball, Artie warns Pete to beware this, the Mm-mm. duffer. Beware the, the duffer? duffer. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, I guess it's a golf term for a bad golfer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, I should have put this in trivia, but I, I found it interesting that Pete, at the very beginning of the episode, waves with his left hand. Oh, oh huh. Okay. That's a good observation. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to note, there's one scene where it's like a cutaway where Pete is narrating from a park bench and there's these geese around him that uh, are like eating around him or whatever. And the, the shot's just really weird. And I wondered just like, you know, how long they took to get that shot. Like it's like right kind of under him. Huh. I guess yeah. I didn't, I didn't pick it up at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did you happen to know what uh, month this episode takes place in? They say what month it is. Oh boy, I'm gonna guess. Seems kind of journey. They said November. Uh, November. Oh, November. Jeez. Yeah. I do. the The last shot really brings home the fall feeling of this. By the way. Yeah. Last episode, I was like, boy, this summer feels, or this episode feels so summery, and then I watched it, I'm like, mm. oh, it's fall. I did the same thing with Nightcrawlers. I was like, oh, what a great summer episode. And I watched it and it's like freezing cold outside. (laughs) (laughs) Pete Pete and Pete has that ability, I guess. They say that the last bear in the area died from this. Um, Eating or choking on a bologna and cheese sandwich. Yeah. Good good memory. (laughs) Uh, Did you guys know how much a bucket of balls costs either to just hit or to hit the bear? I think I got this. If five bucks. Five bucks. Yeah, just for a bucket. Ten bucks for the. Bear. Yeah. Oh, for the- oh, right. Uh, Andrew, did you want to get into some of the lines you liked? Because I have a couple here. Yeah, let's do it. Um, besides, of course, the fabled fifteenth. Uh, one of uh, Artie's got a lot of great lines in this episode. The first one I think is. Clark, tell him about Paris. You, me, Hemingway, <laughs> the shiny tugboat. <laughs> Great line. Yeah. Not not his only reference to uh, 1920s France. Yeah. Or to Hemingway. Yeah, yeah. Then escaping to Dusseldorf with a bobsled, Hemingway driving, and you in the middle, and Gertrude Stein breaking in the back. <laughs> it's a hell of a yes. time right there. <laughs> um, and... Uh, this, of course, you'll know who you'll know who says this. Stu, who's been pretty depressed since his girlfriend left him over nothing, could really use a good shot right about now. <laughs> Just love how he says that over nothing. Yeah, um, um, yeah. Stu's on fire in this episode. Uh, and I got one more. Artie, uh, 
Oh, sweet Clark, sweet Clark, the stars, don't you remember the stars? Oh, the twinkly, stinkly, smelly belly stars. <laughs> yeah, I had that one too. Twinkly, stinkly, smelly belly stars. <laughs> that feels like uh, maybe a Toby Huss improv. Yeah. And I love just like it's at night. It's just a great, great yeah. moment in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we hit most of them. One, one little touch I really loved is that instead of saying four, Artie screams five. Oh, I didn't even Did not mention that. it. <laughs> uh, he also, um, instead of says pipe, he says unpipe. I did notice that. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the little girl who says, uh, I can smell his fear, mommy. It smells like bacon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That evil little girl. Uh, all right. So let's move on to ratings. Uh, Range Boy has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb and 8 out of 10 on TV.com. So out of five Krebs stars, what did you give Range Boy? Uh, I give this one four and a half out of five. Um, I love pretty much everything in it i think there was a couple minor missteps that knocked it down but um i love like the the this weird driving range uh as a setting for this episode just looks really nice to look at um uh and uh the story i think is just like it's like packed with stuff happening but it all kind of comes together and wraps up or most of it at least um so i thought this it maybe didn't quite rank at the very tippy top of pmp for me but pretty close okay well said um uh i'm gonna go four i think um i think it's a very good episode of television. I think it's a very good episode of Pete and Pete. Um, I don't think my, my enjoyment lagged on, I think, the tightness uh, behind how I think objectively good I think it is. Like, I think it's like objectively a very well written, well acted, well thought out, enjoyable episode. But like my enjoyment somehow lagged behind how good I think it was. So I can't give it more than a four. I even thought about giving it less. Because for some reason, I, didn't, I mean, I really, I liked it, but I, I, it didn't feel like uh, King of the Road or what we did in my, uh, on the summer vacation, um, where like I could just watch it three times in a row. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I actually am kind of with you on that. Um, I This episode for whatever reason is one I like thinking about, like I like thinking about range boy and I feel like I'm kind of more nostalgic about it in my head than when I'm actually watching it. Like I've really wanted to talk about this episode, but actually as I was watching it, I kind of felt like this was, I guess what we would call uh, minor Pete and Pete or a little lesser. <laughs> uh, I thought wow. uh, the pace, I thought the pacing wasn't always there. Like I really liked the first half, but I thought the second half mm. kind of dragged a little bit. Um, and it's weird because like, there's about as many lines in this episode as any episode that I think is really funny, but I never got quite as invested in the story as I feel like some other episodes, like even like mm. even the next episode, Tool or Die just feels like a more substantial big Pete story with like, a, 
I don't know, a better display of the characters. This one felt like fine and fun, but not epic like some of the other Pete and Pete's. So I I, I ended up giving this a 3.75. Oh my goodness. Too low. (laughs) I really, that that was my rating coming into the episode and I talked myself up that extra quarter star. Andrew had me thinking maybe I'd go to a 4-2 as he was explaining it, but I think I'm going to, because Pete and Pete, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty warm towards it. So if I'm being objective, like my, my gut instinct after watching it was like, eh, that's not an, that's not like one of the best Pete and Pete's. So I, I gotta oh. try to be fair here. Okay. Um, yeah, I hear you. I... But I like thinking about <laughs> it, like just talking about it. I like I liked thinking and talking about it. I think sure. um, that really that last like couple minutes, especially um, something about that for me is like really top notch. Like, I just I love looking at it. It feel it like I almost get a sense of like watching the episode for the first time. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't totally disagree with your uh, with your criticisms, but think it's pretty solid did you which let me ask you this which one did you like better this or um the christmas episode you gave oh christmas pete a 3.5 and oh actually i gave christmas pete a four wow um but i'm not i'm not i don't know i'm not sure i i i don't know i i stick i stand by it i just uh something about something about this episode didn't like it didn't make me feel like warm and tingly or like Hmm. uh super joyous okay i mean i love Um, and that's i agree in saying that i also love the ending i love the ending with stew like strange yeah i don't know what it is it's kind of a gloomy episode i don't know if that has anything to do with it but it's um it's not like one of the warmest episodes to watch um you mean like in terms of uh, literally the weather's gloomy Oh, oh. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I want to name the episode. Yeah. Um, I had a really tough time with this one. I finally landed on Hole in Pete. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. I forgot to do this, so I'm going to think of one, oh, but I need to stall for another 20 seconds. So, Joe, you got to go. See if okay. you can come up with something that combines bears, turtles, yeah. and gull. That's I was thinking I was really bears for. for sure. Uh, okay, well, we can go a little out of order while Chris thinks about yeah. his. Um, I went with uh, Grizzly Pete. Uh, okay, yeah. I like it. Grizzly Pete. Um, okay, how about um, uh, bear reptile balls? <laughs> no. B E A R, not B A R E. Bear, B E A R, reptile yeah. balls, yeah. like like golf. Reptile. Reptile, like a turtle. Oh, reptile, <laughs> bear, bear reptile balls. Bear reptile balls. Oh my gosh. Sure. Okay. It does combine all the elements. 
I'm just going with Andrew's suggestion. <laughs> How about, uh, oh, no, never mind. Stick with it. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think it's good. Bear reptile balls. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Is there commas in there or just one? Nope, no commas. Bear, B E, it's not B A R E, so it's not yeah, like, bear, like, bear the of, like, bear, like Bear the Way. Yeah. Yeah, Bear Reptile Balls. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so go back around. What was yours, Andrew? Uh, Hole and Pete. Grizzly Pete. Bear Reptile Balls. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up Range Boy. I uh, hope you guys yeah. enjoyed uh, going down memory lane. Uh, what are we up to next, Andrew? Uh, next time we're going to talk about a classic episode of Nickelodeon called Dee's Haircut. Um, yeah. My brother and for me. The, uh, yeah, my brother and me. <laughs> yeah, this is a great um, one. Yeah, this is a this is one of those uh, kind of iconic, I think, all time Nickelodeon episodes. At least yeah. in my head. For for those lucky enough not to have skipped out on my brother and me, because it was so it was a brief run. Yeah. Um, I I mean I hope it holds up. You know, there's always a chance it doesn't, but uh, I remember loving it as a kid. Do you um, remember this one, Chris? Uh, I'm trying to rack my brain for. I loved my brother and me. And there aren't that many episodes of it, so... Um, I mean, if you go look did, did, up, don't even... Does he get... Don't even... He, <laughs> no, I was looking up to see if it was on YouTube. Um, does not appear to be on YouTube. But does he... Doesn't he get... Oh, is this the Cool Doctor Money one? Like, it's like Cool yes. Doctor Money? Okay, okay. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really didn't look that up. It, it just came to me in the last minute. Okay. <laughs> As we hear... <laughs> Furious. <Yeah. fucking. laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that should be a that should be fun to take a look at. In the meantime, yeah. if you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter at BOCD Podcast. We're on Instagram at Orange Couch Podcast. Where you can email us, uh, like Javon did at uh, Orange Couch Podcast at Gmail You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. Leave us a review. That's really helpful. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it. Um, Thanks for joining us, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, pleasure as always. Damn, it's great. Um, well, we'll see you guys next episode. I want a range life. If I could settle down. If I could settle Like literally the only thing, like no one has COVID here. 
you wouldn't know that the country's on fire by anything happening here. It's very weird. It felt well, like the I, week. No, go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Go. You can go. Uh, 